Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM, KSRQ. We're worldwide at RadioNorthland.org and you can find us on TuneIn. So that's uh, all the options. You can also check out our archives at RadioNorthland.org uh, where you can listen to, uh, well, over eight years of wrestling memories. Boy, that is some good, good stuff. First big wrestling memories here for 2021. We always take, tend to take a little break uh, around the holidays and after the holidays. But now as we're sitting here, uh, wow, towards the end of the month of January already, which is nice, especially up here in this part of uh, of the country where it gets a little cold. We've been pretty blessed here this uh, uh, this uh, winter so far, but we are back. Got a new episode together. I've got the grizzled vet down there, deep in the heart of Texas, waiting for me uh, in the studio. In the uh, not in the mobile, right? We got that right, Mike. No, I'm not in the mobile. I'm in the home studio today. All right, with grizzled vet Mike McCurdy. Well, hey, hey, man, it's been a while. Been a few weeks since we uh, been back, to, and now we're back together again. But since we uh, uh, last spoke here and last did a, a, an episode of Wrestling Memories, then and now together here. Yeah, yeah, it's been a few weeks, you know, like you said, the holiday season, we always tend to kind of take a break a little bit, and then we always seem to, you know, come back by the first part of January with the, uh, you know, with our with our guest today, so. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. We kind of rolled in a little, we usually tend to roll in a little bit lethargic into the year, and then we once we start to catch fire, once we start to get a few more things going, it seems like, uh, you know, next thing you know, we're, we're already in the spring. So I think we're here springing in, but boy, we've had some, some pretty interesting stuff going on just in the, the pro wrestling world in general since we last spoke, Mike. Oh, yeah, man, there's been all sorts of things going on, you know, in uh, wrestling. Obviously, WWE, they just announced, uh, you know, there's going to be fans at WrestleMania this year. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. curious to see how that's going to work out. Uh, next year, it's coming back to uh, Arlington, so I'm looking forward to that. I'll get to take my son to WrestleMania, so I'm starting to uh, pad the bank account now so that I can afford it. Absolutely. You got to put a little, a little bit, a little bit more, a little <clears> bit more aside. And, uh, and it'll be nice for you and your son to get to, especially something like a WrestleMania, because you guys were originally going to uh, do a, go to a Raw, weren't you? Wasn't that the original plan here? We were supposed to go to Raw at the uh, new Dickies Arena here in Fort Worth. And then unfortunately, this little thing called COVID-19 kind of flared up and it got postponed. It was supposed to be a SmackDown and then it got canceled. So. And he then, has not gone to a live event yet, man. It's looking like, you know, well, you know, fingers crossed that WrestleMania might be his first live event. So what a way to get that's broken one, in. That's one way to start off, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Heck of a way to get broken in, man. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, and also we talked with WWE, but man, I've been really, really uh, fascinated just uh, because I, 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 I've just been so familiar with uh, the man through the years with Don Callis and what's been going on with uh, Kenny Omega, AEW, Impact Wrestling, the Good Brothers, the Talk of the Bullet Club. I mean, Impact is uh, getting a little bit more of a of a profile these days, due in part to this working relationship that uh, is going on with AEW uh, and with Tony Khan. I've actually been watching Impact uh, recently. It was, it, <clears throat> Impact is one of those that I don't I don't catch up with all the time, but mm-hmm. due to this connection with AEW now, and I watch AEW every week, uh, I've been watching Impact. And, you know, they've got a great product. It's just unfortunate that over the years and everything that go on, I think people kind of put them on the back burner, but the product is really good. I've enjoyed it. And yeah, the definite uh, relationship between them and AEW has been interesting. 
Yeah, it really has. And uh, another uh, add to it this week was uh, with Private Party. Now the young tag team with Matt Hardy going crossing over into Impact territory, which is fun. Kind of uh, you know answering the call of what the Good Brothers uh, did to when they went to AEW. But it's going to be fun. It's almost you know it gets a lot of people excited, uh, and I definitely hope this goes uh, a, a while. I, I hope that this is you know isn't just a fly by night sort of thing because they're they're on the really something kind of fun here and something good and it could really i mean and tony khan being so uh open to the idea of uh having these open relationships i mean it, it, it could start with impact and you know it could very well likely you know veer towards your rohs uh you know you know your mlws and even some of the more you know the independent stuff because he already brings in so many independent guys to work aew dark Oh yeah, there's a lot of um, independent. In fact, I'd like to uh, you know a little shout out to a guest of our show a couple times, uh, AJ Kirsch. Yes, he was on uh, AEW Dark the last couple weeks. So shout out to him. Congratulations on that. It's always good to see uh, somebody picking up some work. But yeah, no, I'm I'm curious to see where things go and you know MLW's coming back with stuff. You know, everybody's starting to come back now. Mm-hmm. You know, finding new ways to you know get the product out on TV. So it, it's a good thing. I think having, you know, the rest of them to watch on TV is kind of a break from just everything going on and yeah. we don't have to discuss politics and all that. You know, you can just kick back and enjoy some wrestling for right now. Dude, I am all for the prescriptions of pleasant distractions. And also, what's that other federation? Am I getting the name right? Is, is it SWE? What, what's going on with them? What, what's that federation going on? SWE Fury. Yeah, they're here yeah. in uh, they're here in Texas. They're, they're making a lot of strides, too. And they're bringing in some guys. I mean... So they're getting your mix of some prominent people, but they're also bringing up a, a pretty good roster. I mean, Texas, you want to talk about professional wrestlers in Texas. I mean, there's plenty of independent outfits out there, but this is a great little place for them to get a little bit more exposure. Oh, definitely. Uh, Road Warrior Animal was a part of the uh, was part of SWE before he uh, passed. Uh, in February, they're having the East Texas Wrestle Fest, and uh, Mark Henry, just incredible. They're bringing in Lacey Von Erich. Uh, Shaw Guerrero, so you're getting some of the you know Texas families in there. Oh, absolutely. Maybe revive the Von Eric Freebird feud. Who knows? I was just going to go right there because I, I did see that the announcement of Lacey going to be uh, appearing at one of these uh, big events. Uh, Miranda Gordy is right there, and you know she's not too far away. And I, I think if we're going to get something cooking with the, the Von Erics and, and the Freebirds, the legacies... Isn't it crazy? We will do it in the female division uh, too. It's impressive. I, I think that there's something. I mean, Lacey's been away for quite some time, and uh, Miranda's uh, really been coming, you know, up and comer here the last couple of years. So it, it, you know, everything works out and everything aligns in place. It could be make for some pretty, pretty good stuff. Some pretty good storylines. Some pretty good events. Pretty good matches. Oh, definitely. And you know, they've got a great television product. Uh, you can catch it on like locally here where I'm at. It's on CW thirty three. It's also available on the Fight Network, so you can watch it there for free. So there's a lot of avenues. They're getting a, a big audience, and it's a good television product. You know, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I've actually reached out to uh, the promoters to try to see if we can get them on to talk a little SWE theory with it. That sounds good for the coming weeks, but we got to focus on this week's guest. And speaking of territories, this man uh, worked uh, many a territory in his day. Uh, of course, he was known for working out west Just in California. Couple. Just a couple, one or two, uh, as well as uh, making his mark in Texas with world class and other outfits. Uh, it is somewhat nice to have him here. He's uh, representing the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame down there in Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, it's going to be nice, uh, big, big time. Always 
wanted to bring him on the show, Mike, and, uh, and we're glad to have him on right now. And let's welcome to him to the program, Mr. Johnny Mantell. How are you doing there, sir? Welcome to Wrestling Memories once again. Well, we're doing great in Texas. Uh, the weather's a little of your type, a little bit more than our type today, but that's okay. We can live with a little bit of cold once in a while. Uh, but everything's good in Texas. It's just this COVID thing that's really slowed stuff up. Even talking about SWE Fury and running their shows, you know, they got to limit the number of fans they bring into their TV tapings because of the COVID stuff. And it's just really put a stranglehold on a lot of things where there's not, if there's not a whole lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money involved where they can afford to do it for a little while and just put it in the can, it's, it's tough on these guys out there today to run shows and promote for these young wrestlers. Well, absolutely. It's not like, uh, you know, everyone has this open amount of money like a, a AEW or a WWE that are able to hold these shows in, in smaller venues and do, you know, do in the impacts, doing the closed stuff. And, you know, they, these guys, I mean, these independent upstarts, they got to worry about the bottom line and, and, and being somewhat reasonable within fi- their financial means. I mean, of course, when you're passionate about something, sometimes the dollars, uh, they, they fly out a little bit faster. But yeah, there's definitely this COVID thing has really shook up. Up just the the economy of, of pro wrestling and just the way pro wrestling has been conducted here and it you know but the bottom line is it's still great that there's been a pro wrestling product in in 2020 into 2021 because man i'd be awful damn bored without wrestling absolutely and, and there and as you guys said you know impact and with the swe fury group there's some groups out there that's really putting out some great wrestling and uh, and i hope that uh it continues that way i'm a I'm sort of a traditionalist, as everybody knows, and and I really appreciate the old-style wrestling. Absolutely. And now the way things are going, I mean, uh, of course, uh, we can look into our magical crystal ball and make some predictions here, but the way things, uh, you know, like I mentioned Tony Khan and his open-door sort of policy and is, uh, you know, very open to having these working relationships and also him, uh, you know, bringing in a lot of independent uh, competitors uh, to work uh, his dark uh, YouTube show. Uh, could there be a little, what do you think about this? Do you think the synergy could keep going beyond the, you know, just working with impact, uh, the NWA with Billy Corgan's around, uh, the SWE Fury company. Do you, can you, do you, can you foresee, can you see this actually becoming a reality here as we head into 2021 and hopefully bringing some fans back in because this adds just a more of an excitement element. I mean, it, it, territories are never going to be the territories all the way, but it could bring back some of that unexpectedness, you know, that we're so missing in pro wrestling just that excitement that little extra that uh, back in the day we we, we kind of took for granted uh, as we moved into the future here well i think there's a lot of people reaching out to tony khan and i think tony khan's reaching out to everybody because of the fact that he understands that if he doesn't reach out then vince is going to come in and try to grab people and take them so he's looking at everybody out there and i know from our standpoint you know right now as of today now, as of today, our induction is scheduled for May 13th, 14th, and 15th of this year, and we've reached out to Tony Khan and AEW about supplying a match for our Friday night wrestling under the stars. And uh, we haven't got a response back yet, but, you know, that's the, that's the product that's out there right now. We're trying to show, showcase all the, all the different companies that are out there. 
just to celebrate the true melting pot that is is pro wrestling and the pro wrestling hall of fame uh, you did mention that the dates right now of course we're kind of just waiting and seeing uh, here as far as what, what what the next few chapters are with this covid situation but they are uh, may 13th 14th and 15th in t- this coming may uh, down there in wichita falls and uh the, you've recently um you know, uh, revealed who the inductees are going to be this year. And let's go into it, uh, who we got here. It's uh, a pretty impressive lineup, uh, a great, great mix. Once again, I, I tip the hat, but let's talk about the process of getting these, uh, these people inducted. Now, who were some of the judges or who are some of the people that will be presiding over, uh, presided over, uh, you know, electing and inducting these, these wrestlers uh, for, for the class of 2021? Well, of course, the committee makes the ballot, and the ballot's mailed out to our voting committee, and such voters this year as Bret Hart, um, um, uh, Mark Lewin from, from Seattle voted, um, so many of the Hall of Famers that vote, Ted DiBiase, so many of the greats vote on this ballot every year. And, and that's what's so interesting about seeing the ballot and how the numbers react by seeing how the Hall of Famers and the historians vote. And um, um, it's always interesting to see how the which guys get inducted because I thought this year the ballot was a fantastic ballot, and it turned out to be a fantastic ballot because all the classes were very very close in numbers. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's and it's a really really good. Li- Let's get into this lineup here. Uh, starting off in the Pioneer Division uh, this year's and in- to be inducted will be Mad Mountain Dean and Paul Bowser. Yeah, two long-time guys. Uh, you know, terrible thing is as we looked them up and really searched them on the Internet, they both were married with no kids. Um, so oh. I don't know if we're going to get anybody to come from them. But Paul Bowser was a long-time promoter and promoted over decades of wrestling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a shame that they don't have any, uh, you know, no representation for that. But uh, those are the guys that you have in the Pioneer Division. Now, let's uh, get into the TV Era Division and a couple of uh, guys that have, uh, you know, very popular down in, the, down in Texas <coughs> as well. Uh, we're talking about Tiger Conway Sr. and Jose Lothario. First off, talk a little bit about Tiger Conway Sr. Well, one of those guys that was really part of history that brought wrestling not only to the to everybody but really brought it into the black community and um, um, I'm glad to see that our historians and our and our wrestlers are really looking at who's being on the ballot and and what they're picking and and I think Tiger Conway Sr. and Jose Lothario are two great guys to vote in this year especially in the same class as they both were not only wrestlers but they were teachers and, and brothers in this business. You know, I hear Tiger Conway Jr. tell me stories all the time of Luthez on his couch in the morning after they wrestled in Houston. And to hear those stories about the guys back in the day sharing, you know, sharing their home and saving hotels, hotel money and doing that back in the day and these guys being recognized. Now, it's really, it's really special to have these guys recognized at a time where, where, uh, you know, our whole world centered around the problems of everybody getting along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about Tiger Conway Sr. And, yeah, you talk about Houston wrestling. Boy, oh, boy, some of the great uh, shows uh, and great cards that he worked on in that area under the Paul Bosch uh, promotion back in the day. Boy, lots of good memories uh, were made there, I'd, most definitely. 
Yeah, and Jose Lothario worked in the entire state of Texas. He worked oh, yeah. not only for the Funks and Amarillo, but worked in Dallas and worked for Paul and worked for Blanchard. Uh, he was in San Antonio, so that was sort of his center place. But, you know, to have guys like, like Pampero Furpo tell me about Jose Lothario and talk, tell you stories about him, they're just, they're just fantastic picks this year to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Mm, absolutely. And the, family, and, family, and the families are very, very excited for their loved ones to finally get the nod. Oh, that, that's going to be great. I mean, you talk about Tiger Conway Sr. Uh, I'm a little bit younger. I, I remember watching Tiger Conway Jr. Uh, working uh, in the 1980s and towards the end of the 80s with him and, and Pez Watley with the tag team of the Drive Tones. Absolutely. Absolutely. They were they were quite a tag team at one time. And little known fact that one time I was going to go to Charlotte and they were going to tag Tiger and I together in Charlotte together. So... I missed out on that opportunity, and sure, uh, it's one of my dreads today that I wish I would have done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring Mike McCurdy into the conversation. Uh, Mike, uh, let's keep uh, uh, let's keep going through this year's inductees for the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, class of 2020 down there in Wichita Falls, Texas. All right, we're going to go on to uh, the inductees for the modern era. These are two that you know. I'm hoping that they'll they'll both show up for their in, their induction weekend. But we've got Tony Atlas and Wildfire Tommy Rich. I think those are two very uh, deserving people to be uh, inducted in this year's class. Two very excited guys right there now that are going to come to Wichita Falls and get their hat in the rain. Um, very excited about getting a nod. And what can you say about two legends in the sport? Tony Atlas has done it for decades. Tommy Rich had a run there during a while while he was the NWA world champion. And... Uh, Two well-deserved inductees this year. And one thing I was mentioning, uh, I host Offshoots TV, and we were talking about the, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame inductions uh, inductees for this year. And one thing that I remember about Tommy Rich is that uh, still today people watch it was, uh, I believe they referred to it as the last battle of Atlanta. It was a cage match with him and Buzz Sawyer. That's still watched today. As, you know, cause yeah. It's just an amazing match to watch. Yeah, again, great guys <clears throat> in the ring. Just just fantastic human beings and we're really excited for both of them tony i know had had feelings for a long time about the hall of fame about possibly it not being very racist or being being too racist and i hope that uh him being inducted finally into the hall of fame he gets past that we're going to move on to the women's division here uh another two you know well-deserving inductees uh judy martin and juanita kaufman are this year's inductees for the women's division yeah, and Judy's excited just like Tommy and and uh, uh, Tony are. That he's she's excited about coming in and getting her hardware. Uh, we're excited to have Judy finally being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Her her career crossed decades, uh, from the Glamour Girls for Vince to just Judy Martin traveling up and down the roads during the Territory days, and and uh, so her longtime career in this business stood out, and we're very excited about her. And Juanita Kaufman. You know, Juanita Kaufman married one of the fabulous Gallagher brothers, and that brought her career to an end when she got married. But uh, uh, she was quite a wrestler in her day. Talked about one of the greatest of all time in her day. See, that's kind of the the thing I like about, you know, the inductees and all. It's a wide variety of people, you know, because Juanita Kaufman is not a name that, you know, a lot of people may know. I mean, I mean, I had to look her up a little bit just to find out more about her. Sure, sure. 
and that's the, and that's the thing about the the ballot and the way it's set up is it's set up so that the names do change and they do process different names through the ballot and then it becomes you know you get on the ballot you're only part way there now the voters got to vote you in and this year i think we mailed out 75 ballots to halt to living hall of famers and historians and i believe the vote count was in the 55 or 56 number a number of voters have voted this year so we're we're getting our vote up where we want it we'd like to get where we're taking 100 100 ballots a year all right, now we're going to move on to the international division. Leo Burke is this year's inductee. Uh, I'm not familiar with uh, Leo Burke's name, but what, what can you tell us a little bit about him? Well, Leo's one of those guys, to me, really was smarter than all the rest of us because when he wrestled in the United States, he wrestled under the name Tony Martin. He never wrestled in the United States as Leo Burke. Leo Burke was his Canadian name. And that's what he wrestled in as in Canada, and he wrestled for all the different territories in Canada and worked with all the Hart boys and all the Davy boy and all the boys back in the day. And one of the hands in the ring, what, what I hear talking to people, and I understand Leo's having some health issues right now. He's still with us, but I understand he's having some health issues. Um, one of the things that all the guys keep telling me about him is what a hand in the ring. So um, I never worked with him, uh, never was around Leo, but uh, when the guys that tell me what a hand he was in the ring, I got to believe he was a hell of a hand in the ring. All right, now we're going to move on to the executive division. This is kind of my neck of the woods back from where I came from, and, and, and Johnny, you're, you're familiar with this man, obviously. Uh, Portland uh, wrestling promoter Don Owen. Yeah, so excited for Mr. Owen. Uh, got to work for him for a year and got to meet him. Hall of Fame caliber guy. His brother was a little quirky. Elton was a little different, but Don was one of those really fantastic guys in the business. Great payoff guy. Paid the boys well. Um, just excited that I, you know, again, it's so it's so cool for me because I got to work for this man, and now he's being inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I feel like not that I had any part in it, but I was there for a little bit with him and, and got to see his Hall of Fame career in place. And, and so I'm really excited about him. We have an email in to one of his sons. Um, we have not heard back from the family as of yet, but we're looking forward to it. All right, Glenn, I'm going to pass the mic back over to you for the uh, the last three divisions. Okay, before we get into the the last three here, uh, when you talk about with Don Owen in, in, in Portland, and I, I just got to ask uh, just some some of your Portland memories, uh, John, uh, of who you you worked with, and do you have any memories also of uh, the bomber? <laughs> that's, that's, that's tons of memories of the bomber. That's where I lived the entire time I was there. Was at the bomber. Um, yeah, that that entire year, 1978, I spent in Portland, Oregon, and and uh, part of '79, and I just have really fond memories. The guys I got to work with, from Roddy Piper to Buddy Rose to to uh, Ed Wiskowski, um, Rick Martell came in and out. The governor Jesse Ventura came in and out. Uh, Brooke, uh, Tim Brooks was there when I got there, an inductee from last year. He was there when I got there. And then the young crew that was there from the Iceman King Parsons to to uh, Steve Pardee to Rip Rogers, 
he was just a young kid getting oh, wow. going at that time, and he showed up in Portland, Oregon. I was there with a hell of a crew, man, the sheep herders. Um, we were there with quite a crew, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I got I got so many fond memories of Portland, Oregon. We could do two or three whole shows just on stories of Portland, Oregon. Oh, that because would... it's such a that was, that was such a fun territory. You know, it was it it didn't get as cold as it gets on you guys there in Minnesota. It doesn't get real hot because it's right there on the coast, and it was beautiful weather. It rained a little bit too much, but other than that. It was beautiful to live there, and, and again, Don Owen was a payoff guy. He paid the boys properly and fair, and uh, when I started there, Dutch Savage was running all the Washington towns. Mm-hmm. That was Seattle, Tacoma. Uh, there was about eight or nine different towns they ran in, ran in Washington, and we'd run, we'd work in Washington two or three days a week, and then the other days of the week, we'd work in Oregon. And the thing about that territory was when I was there was in all the Oregon towns, you got paid cash every night mm-hmm. In all the Washington towns, you got paid with a check once a week. Well, the entire year I was up there, I lived on all my cash and I mailed every check home to a banking account. So that was one of my little savings that I got to save through the years was that check every week, whatever that check was, I mailed it straight home to a bank account. And I lived off my cash, and that's what kind of territory it was. Man, that is so impressive. I mean, and plus, I mean, the loop that you travel through is God. That is some beautiful country out there. Beautiful, beautiful country. The only overnight trip was when you went to Roseburg and Medford, and that was every other week. You had one overnight trip every other week, and um, you know, I, I I can't leave out a name. I just come across to me. I cannot leave out a name that was up there with me with Stan Stasiak. Uh, another Hall of Fame type guy. Uh, early in his career, he had a bout with bout with drinking, and a lot of people thought he was quite an alcoholic and was bad about it. But as his life went on, he got cleaned up from it and got past it. And what a what a nice man he was. I had a lot of fun with Stan. He took me to the first nude beach I was ever at in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> that's what. That's <laughs> awesome. Hey, a Minnesota tie, and uh, of course. Uh, he he has his own sort of infamy and fame and uh, legend, I guess. Uh, and you mentioned him as part of the guys who were in the company, uh, not Jesse Ventura. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, Buddy Rose, Paul Pershman. Uh, what can you remember uh, uh, of Buddy at that time that you were there? Because Buddy had a lot of had a lot of big runs in, in Portland, and that's putting it quite quite mildly through the years when he was in in that territory. I mean, he went outside of the territory, but for the most part, if you want to talk about some of his biggest stuff, I mean, aside from maybe working for. Uh, for the McMahons, I think it was working with Owen and the Owen brothers in Portland. Well, I know he was tag team champions for Ganya for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, uh, buddies is good a hand again, you know, sort of like I said about Leo Burke, if you talk to anybody about buddy Rose, his work within the ring was just second to none. And, and I'm really surprised he hasn't made a ballot yet here at the hall of fame because he's that good. Mm-hmm. He was that good. He didn't travel a lot of different places. He didn't work a lot of different places. He just worked a few territories, but he was he was as good as they got in the ring. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're here with uh, Johnny Mantell. We are talking about the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame 
in Wichita Falls, Texas, is class of 2021. And we got a couple of uh, categories still remaining here this week. And let's talk uh, and let's take it to the tag team division. And man, oh, man, it is the year that we uh, and hopefully everything's going to go good here with COVID and all of that, because this is the year for the tag teams that we rock and roll. We're talking about Ricky. We're talking about Robert, the Rock and Roll Express. Man, it's uh, a long time coming for this tag team. Absolutely, and they were so excited to get the phone call, and I've already got one of their ring sizes in. Um, they're so excited about coming and getting their stuff. Um, really, really true wrestlers. You know, again, they, they were a tag team, and they came up with the right gimmick at the right time and did a lot of stuff, but both of them as singles. A lot of people don't know that Robert had a run with Ric Flair for the world title for a little while and had fantastic matches. Um they're just, they're just two great guys. I'm so excited for them. I've got to wrestle with them twice during my career and had fun with them in the ring and, and uh, um, just excited for both of them. And they both say they're coming to Texas. They'll have their boots on and their bells on. Well, yeah, they'll have, and probably their gimmick table, too, because those boys still know the art of, uh, you know, selling a few photos and other uh, pieces of merchandise. Uh, that They're just classic. They're always going to be the Rock and Roll Express, but I, I definitely expect uh, a few T-shirts there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They're great guys. We're excited for them, and, and again, uh, they're excited about coming in and being part of history. And you know what? These guys, I mean, when you look at them just separately, I mean, you talked about Robert Gibson having runs. He also, uh, his brother, Rick Gibson, too. And uh, Ricky Morton, you know, talk about Texas. He had a run down there in a tag team with Ken Lucas. So, I mean, these guys were, before they got, got together and become this phenomenon uh, that became the Rock and Roll Express, these were guys, you know, had, they had some pretty good, uh, you know, good years in the business. And Ricky, uh, with, a, with a solid tag team with a guy like Ken Lucas, he couldn't have helped but uh, have learned a lot under Ken's learning tree. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, all of us have, have found that, lear- that learning tree someplace. And without that learning tree, none of these guys would be without where they're at. And, and you know, a funny thing about this year's induction class, you know, that Tony Atlas and wildfire Tommy Rich was a tag team for a while. Oh, absolutely. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of ironic the guys that, you know, the cream's rising to the top, and I'm really excited for all the cream to finally get to the top. Oh, you talk Tony Atlas and Wildfire Tommy Rich. That just, uh, those two names, I mean, when I see them together, I, I just think Georgia Championship Wrestling, for whatever reason, just because they had such a presence on on the, the early days of cable and the way that uh, the Superstation uh, promoted these guys. Uh, I mean, they were national superstars. You know, they could have been, you know, but Tommy Rich, I mean, he was all over, and Tony Atlas for a while, too. I mean, it, just when I think about those two guys, I see those names together, it just brings back memories of, uh, you know, the studio in Atlanta. Yes, yes, absolutely. The old studio shoots. <laughs> and uh well yeah, and then the rock and roll express you I mean they they i mean we talk about the, some of the stuff they did also in mid-south for for bill watts i mean not only for memphis but for bill watts i mean they had some some great matches especially with guys uh that became uh their frequent dance partners whether it be uh with uh bobby eaton or dennis condry or dennis con or bobby eaton and stan lane uh, the midnight express it's like chocolate and peanut butter when you talk about them and the rock and Roll Express. Yes, and and you know again, it's one of those classes that this year there's five tag teams on the ballot, and I got to tell you that between the Rock and Roll Express and last place on the ballot was two votes. 
that's how close that tag team division was this year. That's an impressive crop. That is, I mean, that how t- you can't get much tighter than that as far as uh, deciding it here. I'm going to bring in Mike McCurdy back uh, to talk about the Territory Era recipient uh, for 2021, for the class of 2021, for the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. I, I might know a little bit about uh, the gentleman that, uh, in bit. the Territory Era. Never got a chance to meet him, unfortunately. But if you go to the, if you go to the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, one of the first things you see when you walk in the door is a beautiful painting of uh, this man. And uh, in the territory area era, we're going to be inducting Skandor Akbar. Yeah, so excited for Ak and his family. His family's so excited for him. He's a burning bulldog down and down. I mean, he was a local Wichita Falls guy, had his first pro match in Wichita Falls. Um, just uh, his family still lives in the Wichita Falls area. He's got a, a nephew that's a, a sales insurance and in Graham, he's got another nephew that's a head football coach in Lubbock. Um, just a fantastic family and so excited for Act to finally get the nod. And for all of us here at the Hall of Fame to finally see him get it. He's been second on so many ballots in the, during this run here. And, and to finally get him the nod and get him inducted into the Hall of Fame is really a special moment. I spent many a mile on the highway with Act telling stories and listening under that learning tree. And and uh, uh, very excited for him to finally get the nod. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned road stories. And all. We've had James Beard on here before, and he's told us stories about Akbar. And I've had a chance to, before he passed, talk with Tim Brooks about uh, Akbar. Can you share just a quick story about Akbar? Because, like you said, you know, you were both there, and he was obviously world class territory. You guys were both running at the same time. Can you share an Akbar story with us? Oh, let me see a good Akbar story. Well. I guess probably a good Akbar story was one night and I was a baby face for Bill Watts and Ak was the heel and I was traveling with him and Grizzly Smith and we were in Vicksburg, Mississippi and uh, Grizz gave me the keys before the matches let out to go get in the back seat of his car and hide that him and Ak would be out as soon as the matches were over and we'd leave. But he had a second set of keys, so he said to turn the car on, let it warm up, and uh, just lock the doors, and they'd unlock it and get in, and we'd all drive off. So I went out and got in the car and um, laid down in the back seat and covered myself up and everything because the crowd wasn't out yet. And back in those days, you know, kayfabe, especially with Bill Watts, was big time. If you didn't kayfabe, you'd get fired. And... uh so there was nobody around. So I just got in the back seat and I laid down and, you know, I laid there for a little while and I'm waiting on Grizz and Ack and I'm laid there for a little bit and I'm waiting on Grizz and Ack. And finally I start hearing people outside making noises and, 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 uh, uh, you know, talking loud and pointing. And then all of a sudden I hear the siren start getting closer and closer. And I look up over the back seat of Grizz's car and the front end's on fire. Something underneath the hood had caught on fire, and the flames are going up underneath the tire wells. So I crawled with my wrestling bag. I threw open the passenger door and crawled out the passenger side, which is the side where the fire truck was, but all the fans were on the driver's side. And I crawled out the passenger side and crawled over to the fire truck, and the firemen, they were all getting the hoses out and starting to spray the car, and now it's smoky and you know, now I'm sort of hidden behind smoke where I could get out. The fireman said, what were you doing? I said, well, I was waiting for my ride, but my ride got on fire. 
So that night, Ack and Gris had to rent a car for us to go on to Baton Rouge and to hear Ack tell the stories about smoking his cigar, telling me about how that car could have burned up and blew up with me in it and how lucky I was to get out. And that was, that was a typical Ack and Grizzly night, something like that happening. And uh, them having antidotes to cure the pain and, and to ease the pain up a little bit, you know. But uh, uh, Act, there's so many stories about Act and the business that, that could be told. Well, definitely. And uh, one thing I've noticed from, you know, going to some of the shows around here and all that, a lot of the guys that, you know, work around here that have been working in this area for years, they had a chance to, you know, get to know Akbar. They had a chance to meet with They would tell me that he was always willing to give them advice on, you know, ways to improve on themselves. And so I always thought that was kind of a great thing. He was willing to pass on, you know, to, you know, the next generation of wrestlers, you know, ways to, uh, you know, improve their time in the ring, whether they're in the ring or they worked as managers and all that. So I thought that was always something great about him. I've always heard great stories about him. I don't think I've ever heard anybody really say anything bad about him, except maybe on occasion when he might, you know, rib him a little bit. Well, but that was just Ack. Ack was just going to tell you the truth. And he was, you know, he come from that era of protecting this business and, he was about protecting this business and making it believable. And, and, uh, uh, so he was going to tell you the truth if you weren't and just a fantastic gentleman. Uh, uh, I have so many fond stories. Or I, hear, I hear so many fond stories of him in the, in the Wichita Falls area. He was a hell of a football aficionado. He could tell you every mascot for every high school football team in the state of Texas. And if you know how many high school football teams there are in the state of Texas, there's a lot of yeah. just a few, just he a few. Say, he could say <laughs> the mascot for every team in the state of Texas. He was a heck of a football aficionado. And I know he was so proud of me when I was coaching, I coached for about 10 years, high school football. And, and uh, he was so proud when I was coaching high school football, he came to watch a couple of games I coached. Now I did mention one of the things when you walk into the hall of fame, you see is that painting of uh, a yep. Can you tell us about that? Where did that come from? That was done by a local artist there in Wichita Falls. She had come to me, a lady artist, and she had come to me and said, is there anything that you need here at the hall that I could paint for you that would mean something? And I said, and this is when we first moved to Texas five years ago, and I said, you know what we really need is we need a portrait of somebody local that wrestled like Skandor Akbar. And she grew up in the air of watching Skandor Akbar on TV and booing and hissing at him and calling him names and all that. So she, boy, just stepped right up to the plate. And about four weeks later, she carried this portrait in and gave it to the Hall of Fame and said, there you go. And uh, uh, quite a portrait. I know her, I know that the sisters came in and saw it before the one sister passed away. And the cousins all come in and say hi to Ack. And I know when I'm there, I say hi to him when I walk by the portrait. So it's a, it's a great portrait of Ack, and we're sure proud to have it. And now that he's going into the Hall of Fame and even makes it better. All right. Now we have our, our last division is uh, the referee division. And this year's inductee is Mr. Ronnie West. Yeah. Really excited about Ronnie West going in. It was one thing that the board said when we first created this division was that it was probably going to be deceased referees for a while until we got caught up. And that's sure what it's been so far. But Ronnie West was a great wrestler he was another one of those guys that if you talk to a lot of the a lot of the guys that were just in the generation below me, instead of being 63 that are in their 50s right now, Ronnie West probably helped train or helped work out with them. Much like Red Shoes Dugan did with me in L.A., 
Ronnie West was one of those guys that worked out with guys and helped guys get started in this business and did it all. He booked, he ran, he ran towns, he promoted. And, uh, um, I never, he never refereed a match I was in, but I met him late in his life and what a nice man. And I could see where the learning tree would be around him as well. Now we've got an amazing, like I said, it's an amazing class of inductees for the 2021 year. But, uh, you know, this time last year we had you on and we were discussing the 2020 hall of fame inductees. And that was right before as we all know, basically the world shut down due to COVID-19. There wasn't an induction ceremony for the, the 2020 Hall of Fame class. Are you doing anything for them like this year? Is there anything planned for them since, you know, there never was, there wasn't anything for them last year? We're going to try to do them both on the same weekend and probably have a Friday afternoon wrestling and under the stars and then have a Friday night and a Saturday night session for inducting them. That way we have two nights. We give the guys plenty of time to talk. And uh, we get to honor everybody. So, yeah, it'll be a double induction when we do it. Well, that's great because, like I said, last year's class was just as great. And uh, there was one uh, induction that you were able to do, and I wanted to talk to you about this for a few minutes. And uh, this is a man that I know you know very well. I've had a chance to talk with him on a few occasions, and uh, his daughter, Tanya, as well, is uh, you were able to induct Killer Tim Brooks before he passed. Uh, I'd like to take a few minutes just to kind of, you know, talk about killer for a few minutes and how that induction came to together. Yeah. You know, uh, killer was dying of cancer and, and was in a bad way. And his whole life was centered around living to the induction weekend and making it to Wichita falls. And because of the COVID canceling everything and shutting it down, we as the board of directors decided that if he lived to that weekend, we couldn't go without giving him his hat and his ring because we knew what kind of shape he was in and we'd seen him and visited with him. And we called the other inductees and they said that they understood completely what we were doing. So what we did was we contacted his church and the board of directors made a meal and we fed about a hundred people at his church and we inducted him at his church right there locally, not about three miles from his house. And, um, got the induction done while killer was still alive. And, and he was so proud of his ring and his hat and, uh, he's gone now, but the memories live on forever of that night. And us, us surprising him. He didn't know what was going to happen that night, but I had told him in advance that if he lived, I, by God, I wasn't going to let anything happen to his ring and his hat other than give it to him. And, uh, so yes, there was one induction last year and it wasn't meant to, leave anybody out or to do anything like that. The, the, the church and Clayton made up the guest list and, uh, we brought food to feed about a hundred people. And that's what we ended up feeding. We left food for the food bank that they have there at the church for the local community there. And, uh, it was a great evening and we got killer inducted. So yeah, there was well, there was one induction and we hate to, we hate to do it that way, but it was, it was because of the circumstances and because of him being a longtime Texas guy. And, and as I told people, if that had been a wrestler that had lived in New York, we would have gone to New York to do the same thing. Now, one thing, like I said, you know, you obviously had a chance to work with, uh, you know, Killer during his time, uh, many territories, including here at World Class. Cause can, you share a, can you share a memory or two of uh, Killer Tim Brooks? Because we've had a lot of, we've had James Beard on and a few others that talked about him, but, you know, can you share a little something with about the killer? 
Well, I'll tell you one that I saw in person when I was in Portland, Oregon, and this is when I first got there, and him and Roddy Piper were tagged up, and it's an interview, and I wish I could find somebody that has the tape of this interview, but it was talk. It was talking about when Ed Wiskowski and Buddy Rose was tagging against Roddy Piper and Killer Tim Brooks, and and uh, they'd sort of made Piper and Brooks the babyface, and the other two were the heels, and they did this interview with a goldfish, and of course today you could never get away with this on TV today, but this was back in 1979. Piper's got this goldfish in a little jar, sort of like the jars you see him at at a carnival, you know, when you throw ping pong balls into the jar. He's got him in one of those jars mm-hmm. like that, got a goldfish in this jar. And he keeps keeps reaching in and grabbing him by the tail and bringing him out. And every time he brings him out, that old fish just flops and just goes all over the place. And, and he keeps talking about how Buddy Rose and Ed Wiskowski flops and flip flops, and that's why they're who they are. And You know, he's doing a hell of an interview, one of Piper's classic interviews. And every time he'd bring that fish out and let him flip and flop a little bit, Killer Tim Brooks would make a dash at him with his mouth open to try to grab him. And finally, at the end of the commercial, or at the end end of the commercial, at the end of the interview, back then all interviews were commercials. I mean, let's just be honest about it. Anyway, at the end of the interview, Brooksy took that comedy, just missed that goldfish. And Piper dropped him back in the water and said, that's how we're going to take it to your lives. We're not going to beat you and make you disappear, but we're going to beat you for those titles. And they finished the interview. And that was, that was a classic Brooks and Piper interview. And it brings both of them into it. But that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a PG rated story. I can tell you on radio. I got lots of other stories I can tell you on killer, but some of them are sort of R rated. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of those myself. So uh, I met him in 2016 at CAC, and uh, Joe Susan and I had a chance to sit down and have breakfast with him, and he regaled us with a story about uh, one of the boys had an infection where you don't want to have an infection. And he told us, I only got this from the guy. I knew he was with this, got it from this girl because I was with her, and blah, 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 and gave him a hot needle. And it, yeah, the details. It was a great breakfast conversation. But he that just laughed wholeheartedly telling us that story. Yeah. Yeah, that story. That story plays every year on uh, on uh, uh, that radio announcer's TV or that radio show that he does every year, Howard Stern's show. That story that he does, yeah. that interview he does with Piper about that, it plays every year. Oh, God. Well, at least it continues on, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but that's our class, man, and we're excited. I think every year the classes are greater and greater. I think this is a great class, and everybody that I talk to, all the living inductees are excited about coming in and getting their rings. So Wichita Falls better stow the hatches down and lock it down because we're going to have some fun with Ricky and Robert and Tommy Rich in town and, of course, Tony Atlas. We're going to have a lot of fun. So now, of course, you know, COVID-19 is, is still kind of at the forefront. We still don't have it under control quite yet. Uh, May 13th, 14th, and 15th is uh, the induction weekend. I will be there this year, come high hell or high water. But, uh, you know, just kind of what are you planning for to have for that induction weekend? And just kind of what are you looking at as far as the COVID-19 regulations and restrictions? Well, of course, that's our biggest problem is the fact that our functions are family oriented. And it's about getting pictures with guys and hugging each other and 
you know, it's not about six foot of distances and wearing masks and all that. So that's where, that's where it's really going to come into whether or not we're going to be able to do it. And that's what we're looking at right now. We're talking with the city of Wichita Falls. We're talking with the CDC. We're talking to the vendors as far as uh, any, any place where we might do the banquet, how many people we could have in it compared to how many it holds. There's so many, there's so many things that happen about our weekend and being a, Nonprofit. That's the weekend we make our money to buy for the rings and the hats and all the accolades we give to the Hall of Famers. So that's what we're looking at right now is if it's going to be relaxed enough by May for us to turn loose and have a big weekend and sort of have the opening weekend of the world, you know, sort of a, a, a blast off for the world to sort of come back to being open or if we're still going to be under lockdown and we're not going to be able to do it. And that's what we're really looking at real close right now. We're open by February 1st to have an answer for sure. Right now our schedule is working on uh, Friday afternoon matinee for the wrestling card under the stars, and then a Friday evening session of inductions, and then a Saturday inductions with our trade show and everything on Saturday, just like normal. Uh, some some uh, seminars on Thursday, and, of course, the Red Bastine Texas shootout on Sunday. So that's our schedule as of right now, Michael. But, again, we're waiting for guidance from the CDC and the city of Wichita Falls because they're involved in this, too. We're bringing people to town. You know, that's one of the reasons right now we've been doing tours about twice a month on Saturdays. But we've come to find out when we were doing these tours that people were driving six and seven hours from areas that were highly agitated with COVID. And they were showing up in Wichita Falls to see the Hall of Fame to get away from there being locked down where they're at. They were coming to town. So we went to the city of Wichita Falls and said, look, our main goal is to bring people to the city of Wichita Falls, but our main goal is not to bring people to Wichita Falls during this COVID lockdown and, and trouble. And so that's why that's where we're at right now. And we're sort of waiting on some guidance and some leadership from the city and from the CDC to really understand how we're going to be able to do it because I'm not going to put you in an autograph line I'm not going to put Tommy Rich and Tony Atlas in an autograph line and have to have somebody with gloves on hand them the stuff and have them sign it and hand it back to the fans. And We're not going to do that. We're going to have a live wrestling meet and greet type thing like you do always do. And if they want pictures, they can come in and take pictures. We're going to have that kind of re that we're going to have that kind of induction. So we're waiting right now on guidance. I'm still saying those dates because that's the dates that we're working on. Those are our dates every year, the third weekend in May. But uh, we're really looking, looking for guidance. We waited for the new president to get inducted because we knew there was going to be some changes with him, and those changes are just now starting to come down the line. And um, as soon as we know something, we'll let you all know something, I promise. All right, Glenn, I'm going to pass the microphone back over to you for the last part of the show. Absolutely. We're going to wrap things up. Boy, the time definitely flies when we get this talk. Uh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, news and information. And, uh, boy, this uh, hopefully everything with COVID uh, it works out because this is, just sounds like a wonderful, wonderful event to attend. Oh, uh, yeah. Just to get us to uh, get back and get into life a little bit more again, just to have those things, you know, come back. I mean, it will be just amazing. And we hope everything works out May 13th, 14th, and 15th uh, in down there in uh, Wichita Falls. Well, it's time to wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much to our guest, John Mantell. 
from the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. And of course, for the Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy, I'm Glenn Brockett. This has been Wrestling Memories.